We've been going through a study of the Ten Commandments uh, on these Sunday afternoons, and we're up to the Fifth Commandment today, which is honor your father and mother. It's repeated in the, uh, uh, the New Testament reading today. That's Exodus 20, if you have a Bible with you, or the same text is printed in the bulletin, if you can see one. What is happening to our young people? They disrespect their elders. They disobey their parents. They ignore the law. They roam the streets. They are inflamed with wild notions. Their morals are decaying. What is to become of them? Is that uh, from Christian radio last week? Do you think? That was actually Plato in the 4th century B.C. (laughs) Lamenting the millennials. Um, How about this? The young people of today think of nothing but themselves. They have no reverence for parents or old age. They are impatient of all restraint. As for the girls, they are brash, immodest, and unladylike in speech, behavior, and dress. That was uh, 1274. (laughs) A uh, French priest named Peter the Hermit. You can understand maybe why he was grouchy. Um, He was a hermit. Uh, The fifth commandment, parents' favorite commandment, honor your father and mother. Finally, a sermon where the children are going to be told to straighten up and fly right. (laughs) Um, Finally, you're going to tell our children to obey. Um, There is some comfort in the fifth commandment for grumpy parents uh, who are exhausted, but it, of course touches on a lot more than just children being obedient to their parents. Uh, It touches really on the whole problem of of authority, which is a problem for all of us, whether it's on the trying to submit to authority side or whether it's on the trying to exercise authority side in a reasonable and kind way. Um, It's just fraught with trouble. It's an uncomfortable subject, I think, for most any American especially. The idea of authority is a tough one for us. But Jesus offers help to people who struggle with authority. And so that's what we're going to dig for today as we think and talk about the fifth commandment. So let me pray for us and then we'll read the scripture. Father, we ask that you would open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things from your law. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So... Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you find it easy to submit to authority? (laughs) I do. Um, I I have a little bit of a problem with it. Um, When I ask Siri to give me directions... And she does. I resent it. (laughs) I'll turn there if I want to. (laughs) I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want to submit to anybody's authority ever in any circumstance. But give me authority. And I'm Eric Cartman on a big wheel riding around telling people they must respect my authority. Because uh, I don't mind wielding authority at all. Everything I read this week about the fifth commandment, about authority, those who wield it and those who have to submit to it, uh, felt like a specific personal accusation. So I hope it won't be so bad for you today. Me personally, I blame society for my problems with authority. 
you know, I was raised in a culture that celebrates perpetual youthful rebellion. If you want to be an authentic human being, you shake off convention and the norms and you march to the beat of your own drummer, right? That's how you become really authentically human. That's what we were taught and told. I believed it. I didn't mind casting off the conventions. Um, I blame society, but the Bible blames me, I noticed. Um, Ever since Adam and Eve threw off God's yoke of authority in the Garden of Eden, all of us have struggled to submit to authority, and we've struggled to use power and authority in any kind of a reasonable and just way. And so we could bask in that, and we will a little bit, just because we need to hear what the law says. But what I really want us to do is to be pointed to Jesus, which is what the law does for us. It points us to him uh, because he came to set back right side up everything that we'd ruined by our rebellion. So all the ways that we jacked up authority in our rebellion against God, Jesus came to fix, to rescue us from, so that ultimately we'll be people under his influence who are able to submit to authority in a beautiful way and who are able to wield authority in a very self-sacrificial and self-giving way. And that's the hope that we have when we think about the problem of authority is that Jesus can fix people who are broken like I'm broken and like I assume you're broken. So I want to talk about kind of both ends of it and what help we get. First, the submission part, which is everybody's favorite, right? Um, I don't know if I'm a worse case than others. I, I suspect I am. I saw a bumper sticker the other day that said, question authority. And my response was, I will if I want to. <laughs> you know, like, tell me what to do. Question authority if I want to. But what's, the, what's required here? Honor your father and mother. It's talking about children and parents, first of all. It goes deeper than that. But when you're little, it means you have to obey. And... One looked at me. Okay. <laughs> when you're little, you have to obey your parents. Right? Um, that's, that's the rule. And it's not like you have a whole lot of ability not to keep it anyway, right? Because they're big. Um, but it changes as you grow up. To honor your parents uh, becomes uh, more a matter of respect as you age and as they lead you toward independence where you're governing yourself under God instead of um, just doing what you're told all the time. Um, at some point, honoring your parents becomes a matter of speaking well of your parents as you have opportunity to do so, to give them honor in front of other people. And lastly, it involves taking care of them uh, in their old age. Right? The Bible says that if someone doesn't take care of his own family in that situation, that, uh, that person is worse than an unbeliever. It's, one of, it's a very stark uh, and threatening comment that the Apostle Paul makes. Jesus excoriated people. He said, "Uh, you know the commandment says that you have to honor your parents, but you have come up with a scheme where you can say the money I gave to church was the money I was going to use to help you, so I got nothing to help you now because I gave it to church. See my halo, right? And uh, Jesus said, "Uh, you're violating the law of God and keeping the traditions of men. You know good and well the law says you need to take care of your parents. So honoring evolves through the life cycle of your parents and your children. Right? We're supposed to honor them. But it also applies to other people who are authorities in our lives. The Bible applies it this way to bosses, to political leaders, to church leaders, and to elderly people generally. 
um, that you're to rise up before the hoary head, as the King James says, before the gray head. So that's becoming more and more important to me that you do that. And so just remember it. But think about that. That means you have to honor your political leaders and your boss um, and your church leaders. And um, I'm guessing that's not easy for you. I assume it's not easy because I've never lived and served a church where people like the president. Um, In the 1990s, when uh, Bill Clinton was in office, I was in North Alabama, and people there hated him. And then we moved to Portland, Oregon, and George Bush, 43, got elected. People there really hated him. And then I moved back to suburban Georgia, you know, in the 2010s during the uh, Obama administration, and they didn't like Obama. And now I came to Midtown uh, when Donald Trump is president, and I haven't found anybody that likes him. So um, I don't know what it's like to be around people that like the president as a pastor, but I do know that it's pretty tempting for most people to honor uh, their political leaders instead of complaining about them. And uh, it's sure hard for me. And the fifth commandment, like all of God's commandments, when you start looking at them with any seriousness, um, are super challenging and threatening. They just dig at you in deeper ways than you would imagine. You know, minding your parents and not embarrassing them in public is a low bar. Uh, Thinking and speaking well of those that God's put in authority over you all the time is a really high bar. So... um, And the reason it's a high high bar is that everybody that you're ever asked to submit to in your life is a sinner. Every person, every parent uh, that children are asked to submit to is is a sinner. And often a fool as well. Would you say that's borne out in your experience that the people you've been called to submit to or answer to are sinners and often also fools? And um, doesn't that make it really hard? To think and speak with honor, to submit. And everybody talks about narcissism these days. They say that one in ten is like a DSM-5 narcissist. One in ten people. And you got to figure those kind of people gravitate towards leadership. And so you're probably pretty often called to submit to narcissists. And it's not like God doesn't know that when he gives us the command. So is it, is it a you problem or is it an authority problem? Um, I mean, if the people in authority over me weren't sinners and fools, I would be a lot more compliant. I can tell you, right? But maybe I'd be more compliant. Maybe. It's a problem with authority, but it's also a problem that's inside of us. Even if you had a perfect authority over you who was self-sacrificial, who loved you, more than they love themselves, who are willing to lay down their lives for you. Someone say whose yoke was easy or whose burden was light. (laughs) In other words, you're called first to submit to Jesus, who is as great an authority as you could imagine. Right? He loves you and has laid down his life for you. There's no sense in which he's being petty or selfish or self-serving in what he asks of you. He is only out for your good. He's died for you. He's not going to be withholding now. So it's easy to submit to him, right? right? Just keep his you know, law all the time and do what pleases him all the time, right? 
You know, if, if authority was the only problem, uh, we'd have an easy time following Jesus. But here's the thing that Jesus gives us that gives you hope as somebody who's always bowed up against authority. And that is that Jesus sets us free from every human authority. It's a weird thing to say, but he sets us free from every human authority. We are children of the king uh, with absolute rights as children of the king. And the only reason Christians submit to authority now is because Jesus asks us to. So we look at someone who's a sinner, certainly, a fool probably, that we're called to submit to. And we say, you know what? I, I know what you are. I appreciate where you're trying hard, if you're trying hard. Uh, but I'm not submitting to you because I think you're wise or out for my good or a respectable, honorable person. Um, I trust Jesus uh, enough to try to please him by submitting to you as best I can. Unless you ask me to do something he says I shouldn't do. You know, I can't do that. But, um, but I trust Jesus enough to submit to you. And so we're not being asked to find honorable people to submit to. We're asked because of honorable Jesus for his sake to submit to people who are uh, less worthy authorities than he is. All right? And so um, that is an easier equation than um, just being told to knuckle under and be compliant because that's how God likes order to work in the world. All right. that's a, it's a much better rationale for us to think about it, to be set free this way. Um, so, but, you know, it's hard for us still, like it is for our kids, to submit to us. It's hard for us to submit to Jesus, even though he's a much better leader than we are. What about kids? You, you have to submit to parents who don't understand you? Yeah, you have to submit to parents who don't understand you. Who thinks their parents understand them? Right. Um, it doesn't sound like Lucy does. <laughs> um, parents don't understand you, but Jesus understands you, loves you, and has given you to these parents. Uh, so that for his sake, you trust his wisdom and submit to them. Right? You're given that kind of rationale, which is very nice. Do you like the president? Do you speak well of the president um, as best you can with honor? If you don't like the president, it's a lot harder. If you do like him, it's still hard, right? Because we're just used to complaining about our political leaders. But, um, you know, we can do that. We can say Jesus has given us our leaders for whatever wise reasons he has chosen. And uh, I can live with that, right? I can live respectfully with that if I need to. Um, what if you have really bad parents? Do you still have to honor really bad parents? And... Uh, I'm not going to say everything that probably needs to be said about this, but as best you can, I think is the answer, um, that you speak well of your parents as you can, that as you're able to maintain relationship, you try to maintain relationship. Sometimes, uh, in the case of abusive parents, um, you need to be separated from your parents and not around them. I realize that, too, um, that... Um, we're not called to stay in abusive relationships if we have a way out. Uh, the church is meant to help you if you need a way out in those situations. Uh, but even in those situations, uh, if there's a way you can, uh, look for the wisdom of Jesus in 
uh, putting you in the trials he's put you through to draw you close to him. I'm not saying the trials are good. Um, but there's a deference to the wisdom of Jesus in the way we treat authority. It's especially difficult in an abusive situation. Uh, we should leave those as we're at all able. Um, but it does touch on the challenge we have in honoring Jesus in the way we treat authority. So there's a promise, though, with this uh, command that's unusual in the Ten Commandments that you will be safe and secure and have a long life in the land, which is proverbially true that when there is some order in a society, when children obey their parents, they tend to grow up and be more able to govern themselves. And so there's stability in the land for the society. But there's also, this is a special promise to Christians. It's, you know, in the land the Lord your God is giving you is Canaan. But for Christians, we know that promise is expanded to the whole earth. It says the meek will inherit the earth in the New Testament. And the new heavens and the new earth are uh, our inheritance, our promised land. When Paul repeats this command in the New Testament reading we had in Ephesians 6, he says that your life may be long in the earth. uh, Because the promises of God are expansive as they go along. And so... Um, there's a promise with this that we'll flourish in God's kingdom as we respect his authority. Okay, I'm about to finish talking about submission. And I know some of the parents are thinking, wow, you let the kids off pretty easy there. You needed to drop the hammer on them. This is your one chance. So I'll just say this. I'm going to quote a verse from Proverbs that's it's pretty metal. The eye that mocks a father or scorns a mother will be picked out by ravens. So let that be a lesson to you. How's that, Dad? Um, <laughs> let's talk about exercising authority. Exercising authority. Jesus in the New Testament reading said the default mode for human beings is that when people have authority, they lord it over other people. Lord it over other people. They use authority for themselves, self-aggrandizing, self-seeking, pursuing their own self-interests. I'm the boss of you. You have to do what I say. You have to please me. That's natural. But he says, in my kingdom, it's not going to be that way. In my kingdom, the greatest among you is going to be the servant. The one who is going to be first among you is going to be a slave. Because in my kingdom, you exercise authority the way I do. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, when you rebelled in the Garden of Eden and ever since... You've turned authority and power upside down, and it's abusive. It's misused almost all the time. And I'm not content with that, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to turn it back right side up. And so he's done that by living a life of ultimate authority uh, as a servant, modeling it for us, commanding it of us, and now uh, enabling us more and more to live that out, especially in the church, so that we exercise authority after the example of Jesus rather than the way everybody else does it. So, you know, especially if you're in college right now, um, for a lot of people, especially in the humanities, understanding power and authority is the whole key to the map of human behavior and human society. How power is used, how power is grasped, kept, how privilege works, uh, what people, uh, how people use power when they have it uh, willingly and unknowingly. And all the ways that creates harm. And I think it's a pretty common theme in most humanities classes these days. Uh, but Jesus says power isn't an evil thing. It's a gift that's given to us 
Authority is a gift that's given to us, but it has to be used in a Christ-like way. It's a gift when it's used to serve other people rather than to be served. When authority's attitude is my life for yours instead of your life for mine, then authority functions in a Christian way. Authority is back right side up under Jesus' redemption. My life for yours is the Christian authority's attitude towards those that they lead and serve. And that means that Christians, more than anyone else, are free to give power away. We don't have to grasp for power. We can give it away. uh, Because we're here to serve and to give our life as a ransom, not to grasp and to hold power. Marilyn Robinson, in one of her essays that I partially understood, I don't know if you've ever tried to read her, um, she's smart. Uh, But she was talking about how the magisterial reformers, uh, Tyndale and Lutheran Calvin, did a dramatic thing when they had the Bible translated into the language of the people. She said what they were doing was giving away their power. Because up until then, they had a monopoly control over the reading and interpretation of the Bible. And so they were indispensable in their communities, uh, in their powerful roles. And by translating the scriptures into the language of the people, they were giving their power away. Now that's Christ-like. That's the way Christians are supposed to exercise power. And we can do that. Uh, Also means we have to pay attention to how corrupting power is in our lives. Uh, You've seen how bad an influence power has on everybody that rules over you. Well, you're like them, right? Um, Lord Acton's famous dictum about power corrupting us has a preface to it as well. Someone pointed out to me this week, and this is how it starts. He says, the danger is not that a particular class is unfit to govern. Every class is unfit to govern. Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power tends to corrupt absolutely. Every class is unfit to govern. All of us are uh, the despots that we despise who rule over us as soon as you give us power. So we have to pay attention to that and know that it's a problem because we're blind to a lot of it. Most of us don't understand or feel how our position or our privilege allows us to have influence over other people. Um, We know a little bit. It's why our federal government instituted checks and balances in our form of government, because we distrust power. It's why Presbyterian churches, other than crazy startup ones like this one for a while, have multiple leaders who uh, rule in a plurality instead of giving power to an individual, because we don't trust individuals. Um, We put checks in the way there, but we also need to hear people speaking into our lives because I think a lot of the ways that authority functions in our lives is not known to us. And hearing people who see from the outside who can speak into our lives is helpful. I've been reading a book by Andy Crouch this week called Playing God. And that's a helpful voice for me because he's pointing out things I would never recognize in myself. But mostly it's other people, maybe the people whom you serve as a leader that could tell you the most about how power affects you. Because we have to constantly live in repentance from misusing power and authority. Another implication of this is Christian parents are not the ultimate authority in their children's lives. You're not your kid's ultimate authority. God is your children's ultimate authority. You serve as his manager of your children. 
Um, They don't belong to you. It's what you say at their baptism. I dedicate my child to God because your children belong to God. He is their authority. You serve uh, God's interests in their lives as best you're able. And so um, that's why your children do not uh, follow and obey you when you command them to break God's law. Because you're not their ultimate authority. Um, It's also why you can follow parents that aren't perfect. Because you've got a perfect authority in Jesus. And he's just using your parents to help him point you toward him. And so you can put up with parents who aren't perfect or wise all the time. Who make mistakes, as all do. Right? Um, But our our children do need us to discipline them for Jesus' sake. If we don't discipline our children, uh, they grow up so vulnerable. And uh, have to backfill what we could have given them at an early age when it was easier to learn about what it means to submit to authority, which is one of the hardest things you learn in self-government. Most of us kind of tend to overreact to what our parents did. If your parents were all about the emotion and warmth, you know, you say, well, I'm going to have a little structure in my house and we're going to have some rules and things. There's going to be a bedtime here and you're going to see. But if your parents were super rigid and there was a rule for everything, you know, you tend to swing the other way and say, we're just going to be all about the love, you know, and the warmth and, and uh, coloring. So, you know, um, listen to each other. You're raising kids together in a church for a reason. You know, you've got friends who can speak into your life, who you can learn from, uh, who you, maybe just as cautionary tales, you know. But, um, but you need each other because we all do this as novices um, nobody except people who have like mistaken children late in the, later in their lives, you know, know how to do it when they raise children. So, um, but you're not their ultimate authority. You're not their savior. You don't have to worry over them like you're their savior because they've got a savior. Right? So, and then um, just the way we think about authority in general as Christians is shaped by this uh, servant leadership. Uh, because power's upside down. You can read a lot in the Bible if you just wanted to pick out verses about here's how marriages should be structured. Here's how parents and children's relationships should be structured. Here's how church authority relationships should be structured. And if you just pull those things out and said, aha, now I know how to do this for God. Now I know how God wants this to happen. Um, you're going to miss everything. Because those instructions about structure and authority in the Bible are always just a frame around a picture. They're not the picture. It's the relationships of love and trust and flourishing that are of importance, that are central. It's the kingdom idea of power, which says authority is given so that people can give their lives for others, not to grasp. And without those contexts, just getting the rules about Christian families or Christian children or Christian churches is just going to lead you into something that's harsh and bitter and brittle. And not descriptive of Jesus' redemption. So be careful about authority and trusting authority and the rules too much. Getting the rules right is not going to make your marriage good. Loving each other is going to make your marriage good. Humbling yourself and repenting of your sins is going to make your marriage good. But uh, getting the authority submission thing down, um, that's not going to help much if what's in the picture frames is not beautiful. So people are going to take vows today and join the church. And the fifth vow is, do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church? So you're being asked in front of God and everybody, will you submit yourself to unwise, questionable, imperfect, foolish, often self-serving leadership 
at Midtown Presbyterian Church. That at least describes all of the uh, elders we have so far, <laughs> which is just me right now. Well, you can do it because you're not submitting to me. You're submitting to Jesus. Uh, you're submitting to his will that he's going to bring elders to this church that you're going to be willing to submit to, too, um, because you're really submitting to him. You can trust him because he's good. And if that's not reason enough for you, if you don't, ravens will come and pick out your eyes. <laughs> that's a joke. Some of you are new. That was a funnier joke than you Let's pray. <laughs>